0: I woke up and um, I put my alarm for 6.45 and I woke up at 7.45 and um, like when I woke up, it still said like snooze, like eight minutes or five minutes or something like that. So I can tell I slept through maybe like six alarms, but I'm like, do I, am I late? Should I be late for this or should I get donuts or should I be on time or should I get donuts? I got
1: my donuts. I, I didn't get donuts, but I, I
0: have a cousin. I have a bagel. <laughs> oh, that is. It's um, Donuts Boring Cousin Bagel.
1: Yeah.
0: Just for everybody on the call, depending on podcast, whenever you're listening to this, yeah, Emily has uh, a miniature human. Um, <laughs> Is that what we say? I guess a baby.
1: A miniature human. It sounds like a miniature pony. I'm 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 pregnant. That is the the, the yeah. simple way to say this. And okay. we are six weeks out. We're getting real close.
0: Real close. Good. I'm also sympathy eating though with you. Um, because a good friend, a good colleague, empathizes and commiserates. And so I'm eating three donuts today. So let's um let's jump in. So we talk a lot about design centric topics, which is, you know, the crux of, of, you know, the show, but there's a lot of other things that are happening that have tie-ins, correlations, dotted lines to design, uh, maybe more explicitly, you know, really specifically have design implications. But we want to talk about the great resignation in some way, shape or form. So we know that there's just a lot of people not working for one reason or another and then we also know that there's a lot of people leaving their current jobs and either finding new places to work or not finding new places to work but from a workforce experience design perspective it's a really interesting challenge um, to approach because it's it's multifaceted and it's very personal but if you needed to approach that problem, there would be no other, no better process than using design thinking to try to approach that why, like why are people leaving my company? I have thoughts. I definitely have thoughts. you know I think with COVID, that plays a huge role, and people just got super burnt out. And because of how unstable the world felt, even though I think it still is starting to feel that way again or it feels even worse than it did, as people started to feel a little bit more secure with that Maslow hierarchy of needs, the need to hold on to a job that wasn't very satisfying diminishes. I don't need this job anymore. I don't need to stockpile toilet paper anymore. And now that I have a moment to breathe, my job sucks. My job really sucks. I quit. I quit. And I'm not saying that's how everybody feels. Um, I, don't, I don't feel that way. Lord knows I have felt really busy, especially over COVID, way busier than I ever have felt. Um, but I don't know. I just, Emily, Josh, I'd love to get your takes on just the great resignation. And then I want to talk a little bit about, well, how, what do we do to approach that? Like, what do we, how do we even tackle a problem like that? But Emily, what do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, with the pandemic and just in, in general, even in the US, I mean, like, there's just been a lot of unrest. I mean, there's just been a lot of factors that have contributed to overall, I would say, like stress and um, feelings of insecurity in general. And I think it laid bare what organizations are willing to do something about it. And before it was felt maybe not optional, but I think, you know, it never came to the forefront of this is what's most important but suddenly it is, and you find out very quickly which organizations are just talk and which of them are actually willing to invest in their employee and their experience in the workplace because we spend a lot of time, and I'm gonna say at in quotes, at work. We spend a lot of time focused with our colleagues and our, and so I think, I think you hit this point where if an organization isn't willing to actually walk the talk we are at a point where it's like, well, I, I don't have room and capacity for that in my life anymore. I don't, we, we've hit a point, a tipping point where it's like, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And there are options for me. Oh, right and it is, it is, There's so many options and there's so many companies willing to say, we will do it.
0: It's, it's like the housing market right now. Um, it's a lot of inflation in terms of price point, but thinking about, my, my options, me just being the um, hypothetical employee who just resigned, there's a lot of options for, for me. I can go, you know, I know that I look on Indeed how many open positions exist. I look today at how many open designer roles, though it's a growing field. It's a growing field and not enough supply of talent. The search that I did two or three days ago I lo- I always like seeing job descriptions for some of these roles. There are way more. When we first started this podcast, and I did some searches, you know, I do a Google search and be like six and a half results, and now I do it. You know, it's like four million results in 0.2 seconds. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, that was maybe a, 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 a dramatization of what actually happened, but you all get the point. Uh, I want to talk though still in this whole theme of resignation and maybe one of the driving factors is this notion of, do I have to go back to a place to do work that I don't need to be at to do the work that I'm getting paid to do? Long-winded way of saying, like, why am I going back to an office again? And I've been working with a lot of clients that have really struggled with this. Some of them are doing really well. Some of them are not doing well, like disappointing at times um and so i'd like to just talk a little bit about this return to work thing emily do you think people should return to an office
1: well okay actually it's funny like return to an office versus return to work like i actually have a distinctly negative connotation with the idea of return to work because we've been working right like i mean i think there's a lot of people even are like i i didn't stop working in all of this so work is no longer a place and. I think that's an important thing for us to consider as we design, as we think about the employee experience, because we've really blended and pushed on those boundaries between what is work life and personal life in a lot of ways that many organizations historically have not been, intentionally, they've kept them very separate, right? And so I think there is just I mean, I think there's just considerations of like, what does that mean for the future? Because we've proven often that many organizations can find ways to be effective where work can happen anywhere or multiple places. So I think we have to be considered that that's true, but also just be aware of what that does to culture and making sure we're intentional about culture. Because I think that's where I think the things have fallen down is that some organizations have not been intentional and you have groups of people who feel very, Disconnected from their organization now.
0: I like even that. if I like
1: working from home.
0: Work is a verb, not as a noun. Right. Work isn't a thing, it's an action that you can do anywhere at any time, which I think many of us have been doing. Right. Like I know I'm looking at Josh's calendar. He has stuff on his calendar for 7 a.m. He's now in beautiful Twin Cities. Welcome to the Twin Cities. Um, but that's not, those aren't normal business hours. Like those aren't banking hours. Those aren't, if we worked in a, at a place, right, we'd be driving in at maybe seven thirty, 8, 8.30. Do you, I was just thinking about this too, that whole notion of nine to five. I don't know if that's ever really, that's never really existed for me, but anywho, back to the, do you need to work in a certain place to do your job? Now we know that there are What were titled essential workers, right? But frontline employees that have to be customer facing at a location, have to be in a manufacturing facility in front of machines, conveyor belt products. Um, We have healthcare workers, again, have to be in front of people. And then you have all of the non those, like all of us on the call. Like, we don't, I don't have to be at a place to do this job so what if we were or we are having those jobs we did have those jobs and then the you know our company says yeah well you have to go to this place to do your job is that the right thing or the wrong thing to do
2: i'll I'll weigh in on that real quick i think it's interesting what it feels like to me is happening right now is this like too little too late almost deathbed repentance kind of feel whereas like the power dynamics within organizations are shifting dramatically right now where I am the boss, I set the rules, you as an employee have to follow them. And if you don't, you're fired. No one wants to get fired unless there are a lot of options for better jobs somewhere else. And so the power is now in the employee's hands where when they say you're fired, they're like, thank you. I've been waiting for that. Or better yet, let me be proactive and just leave because the minute you start throwing your weight around, now that the pandemic is starting to evolve and you're asking me to come back to work and I don't want to, like, you can't force me to do that anymore. So, like, this, this idea of I am in charge and you have to listen to me is over. It's now I am an employee that has this set of needs, and if you're not designing for these needs, why would I work for you?
0: that notion of at will, right? It used to be a way for organizations to protect themselves, to fire people with maybe less detail than, than needed. Like, oh, please sign this just to acknowledge the fact that you are an at will employee. I think there's a lot of employees embracing that. I don't have a contract. I don't owe you anything. I'm, it's my will right now. It's not if you want to keep me employed. It's if I want to keep me employed I bring up the working in a physical place. So work is the noun, but we won't call it that so we don't conflate the two. So going to an office when, I don't know, maybe a year ago when companies were still talking about, you know, we're really gonna get back. We're gonna get back in the office. We're gonna do good work, right, as a verb, but we're gonna get back in the office because people need to be around each other. And I don't disagree with that last notion. I was like, no, big misstep. Don't do that. Don't force people to come back to a place. Now, almost, I don't know, what are we at, a year and a half, two years, 12 years? I don't don't remember how long it's been. The one thing that I'm starting to notice is how damaging not having a work sanctuary is for people. And I'm really genuinely concerned with the conversations that i'm having that the work from home arrangement is dreadfully unhealthy dreadfully unhealthy i had a really uh and emily came off of mute and i know you probably feel strongly about this but i had a post on linkedin and it was satirical in nature but i said you know when i this whole thing started i'm like yeah don't force people to go back like what works best for them works best for everyone which i still believe but I put, put in there, I go, you know, I think that's BS now. I think everybody needs to go back to an office because they're working way too much. Like we need to work less and go back to an office. Daily rituals have been absolutely destroyed. Emily and Josh, do you guys go out for lunch? Nope. No, no. Do you have a drive into work? And I'm not saying everybody wants to sit in traffic, but do you have a drive into work where you could listen to this? listen to music or listen to the road noise no nada right do you have a time where you see everybody else leaving the office and you say oh it's probably time to go home and you have a clear delineation between when i should be verbing work and when i should be verbing life no no and so this notion of these dissolved daily rituals has gotten me really concerned because as a consultant we work uh, 24-7, like really quite honestly, we are on call because we have global clients and that's part of the gig and we understand that. And from a human-centered design perspective, I'd much rather have a call with one of our clients at their 8 a.m. than my 8 a.m. and their 8 p.m., right? Just because that's, we need to meet them where they are. I'm having a lot of calls at 6.30 in the morning, 7 a.m., 7.30 with people in my same time zone. Which I'm—it doesn't really bother me, but I'm really concerned that that's not healthy behavior. That's not what they would have been doing. That's not what we did with our U.S. clients two years ago. We would ask them about their office culture, like, "Hey, what time do y'all usually start your meetings?" And they go, "Oh, you know, people usually get in at about eight, eight thirty. So let's have our first meeting at nine. Well, that didn't happen. People weren't going to. People weren't dropping their kids off at school, so that ritual was disrupted. But we didn't replace it with anything that added value to our personal lives, honestly. We didn't replace it with, I'm going to have breakfast with my kids. I wanted to. I replaced it with, uh, oh, man, we're really busy. I'm not driving in. My calendar is open. I'll take a meeting at 730. I know this is getting really soapboxy. But I think the lack of daily ritual has led to a high level of burnout, which is leading to this great resignation. Because at some point in time, an employee, I know this is for me personally, maybe I'm I'm projecting. You do it because that's what the job entails. And then the organization gets used to that behavior. And now I resent my organization. I didn't, when I started, like that was just like, hey, I'm happy to have a job. Pandemic, people are in really bad spots. And 18 months later, I'm kind of like, F it. Not me personally, but the whole notion of like, (laughs) the company's taking advantage of me. This isn't healthy. I've just missed a year and a half of my daily rituals, my, my life. But Emily, I'll, I'll stop talking. What do yeah, you Yeah, no, I
1: think you've hit a really good point because so I think many organizations, especially early in the pandemic, went through a period where it needed to be all hands on deck, right? Like we were scrambling, especially those who are in probably HR organizations who are trying to figure out what's the policies we need to write? What are the, How are we handling working from home when we haven't just like, there was just this mad dash and scramble to be like, how do we reorg our organization to handle the realities that we just weren't prepared for? And so I think there was this, this big push where it was, well, temporarily it's acceptable and we're all doing it together that we're going to have extended work weeks. We're going to have these extended weird hours because we just have to get it done to get ourselves on the other side of it. We never did the reset to say, okay, what we, at some point we've reached the other side and this is we we always had you know there's the new normal for a long time like when we're going to get to a new normal we haven't actually taken the time to your point Ryan i think to say what does that mean for us like how do you spend time in your day when if the new normal is you're going to be working potentially you know not a traditional on to 5 hours anymore because work and home life have like they they've blended are organizations adapting and saying culturally, if that's that's what we're going to do, we're also giving you the space to then flex your hours in different ways in the middle of the day? Like I don't think we're having those conversations. And honestly, some jobs, it's going to be much harder to do than others. Some you do really need to be available during business hours. But there are those that I would push back and say you don't. And so I think that we're just in this weird space where organizations haven't caught up with the fact of what is actually happening for many of their employees. And they're just kind of letting it be. And to your point, I think we're getting a lot of burnout. We're getting a lot of individuals who just say, well, I I know there's just things that need to be done and I'm just gonna keep doing them to your point. Like, I don't create that space for myself because I feel, do you feel guilty because you're home? Like, I don't know where that comes from. I try thinking for myself of like, there are times Where, I mean, have I done enough today? I don't know. Like, it's because there's no, there's no indicators of like, hey, guess what? Yeah. Like you said, people are leaving the office. We're going to go grab a like drink and I'll just have like some chat time to like, like, just be with your people without working. Because every time I meet with someone from like, you know, for work, it's, well, what work do we have to do?
0: Yeah. There's no. Accidental socialization, and so I think what's damaging there is when it's intentional socialization. It is focused around a work topic. If it's not focused around a work topic, and we don't have accidental socialization, then we are losing the real the power of being in a place with somebody, right? That that creative energy, and whatever work we're doing, like that, just that positive energy. Because I know Emily. Josh, we're all in the Twin Cities area. We do have a, a, like an a office space. I'm just, I'm paranoid because my kids aren't vaccinated. But, you know, if we were all together, we would just like be hanging out, right? We'd be doing our work. I'd go and get a drink of water from the drinking fountain, if that's still a thing. I'm probably maybe not a post-COVID world thing anymore, which is weird. But I'd stop by and talk to Josh and Emily at their desks or in their office or wherever they're working. And we'd hang out and chat. And, oh, I have a cool idea. Or, hey, tell me about your family. What's happening with the move? All of that jazz. That stuff doesn't happen. And people's days, at least in my eyes, and when I say my eyes, through my eyes with the clients that I'm working with, it is all work. All work. No daily ritual. No break in the work. I'm not going from an office, like one conference room to another conference room. I'm jumping from Zoom to Zoom. People feel frantic because they're habitually late. Perpetually late is better because there is no way around it. A meeting ends at, like, for instance, our chat today goes from, you know, X to Y. The next meeting I have starts at Y. My next meeting starts at it's not a second later my next meeting starts at the same time this one stops. So right there there's conflict. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, But it's all to say, I think all of these are contributing factors as to why people are completely burnt out and resigning. My fear is that it's not going like changing your job might not make it better. I think people are just, I need a break. and quitting sometimes feels easier than taking time off because time off no one else is taking time off am I going to get behind in work taking time off for a lot of people I know this is actually for me taking time off can be more stressful than just not taking time off especially in your if you're not in a like an hourly or production job where the work doesn't actually go away it just moves I take Thursday off That Thursday work doesn't disappear, it goes to Friday. So, But if I leave the organization, the work leaves, the work is gone. And then I have a time, a chance to catch my breath. But Josh, you came off of me, what were you gonna say?
2: Oh, it was just interesting as you were like speculating these theoretical like water cooler chat moments that are gone, like my direct experience has been working remote with LeapGen, since i was hired and now like coming back to the office of my own choice right i moved from boston to minneapolis so that i could be here it's part of the nature of my job doing video work and social media just need to be around these people it having gone into the office probably two or three times a week for the past four weeks has really changed my relationship with this company And it's a lot of the things that you talked about, like I don't get that fun chat moment with even my my cohort, my individuals I talk to on Zoom every single day. We do chat back and forth, but there's a wall, an energy wall there, a Zoom block, if you will, Um, because stepping into the office, there was like this moment where I'm sitting next to individuals that I don't talk to. Pretty much ever, we're on a group meeting together, and I see their faces. But now I'm in a room with them. Like yesterday, I at the end of my day, I was packing up, and Brad, one of our sales individuals, our, our business development uh, manager, he turned to me and we had a 15-minute conversation about anything and everything, mowing our lawns, <laughs> like the winters in, in Minneapolis. And I was like, "This is a rich moment for me," and it almost felt like, yeah, like. It's, it's worth it just for that. There's, there's this concept that I read about called propinquity. It's this idea of like, it's a, a mashup of two words. It's frequency and proximity to mm-hmm. the, the people that you work with, the, the, the moments that you have with them, like proximity, like, are you far away where, even though we're super close to each other geographically, Like we're just doing this on zoom and so there is that distance there and then the frequency of like how often do you touch base with them and get to actually have those conversations with them so there there's definitely a lack there i just feel like hybridization is and custom individualized work is is where it needs to be because that works for me it might not work for someone else ryan you live you know just as far from the office as i do but like you can be more effective or you feel more comfortable, like staying at home, getting your work done.
0: Yeah. Now for the sake of you all can tell I'm a social butterfly. And so I, I crave getting back into a place where I could cultivate an audience, right? Like, Oh, come over here. I have a story to tell. Um, But Josh, you bring up, I, I just really like everything that you just said. And I won't even try to say the word that you just said, but you mentioned like hybrid or custom or like human-centered design. Like how do we know what way people should work? Because there is a caveat to all of this. I don't think people like being told what to do. We see that with the vaccines and the masks, which I am a huge proponent of. So we won't get into that because if for some, whatever reason, it ends up becoming a political issue. But people are being told to do something. People feel weird about that. I still feel weird about that. I've been vaccinated, but if someone said you have to get vaccinated, I actually still have a visceral reaction, like, don't tell me what to do, even though I believe in it. And so by telling our employees, you have to go do something, we create this sort of power shift issue that, Josh, you just talked about, like, don't tell me what to do. I have have the power. I think the benefit of using human-centered design is to better understand what people are looking for. How it adds value. Why do they not like coming into the office? Is there a way to solve that? For some people, it might have been the drive. Like for me, my drives to work, like I I love listening to music. It's really therapeutic to me. So that was a daily ritual that I really enjoyed. I have a lot of colleagues back when I worked at a place that would be like, I hate it. I live far outside the Twin Cities or I have to drive through traffic and it takes me an hour and a half to get there, two hours to get home. So then maybe setting up like satellite offices closer to where we have people living, maybe having it be off days or off hours that you come in, you know, instead of having to be at the office at 9am like everybody else. What if we just did like a noon to six some days or a 10 to 10 to two? I don't have those answers for you. Emily doesn't have those answers. Josh doesn't have those answers, but there is, there is a place where you can get those answers. And they're the folks that are logging into their Zooms right now, doing work for your business, doing work with you. But Emily, you came off from of mute.
1: Yeah, like I actually have a recent example where we're doing focus groups with a client as they think about how do they create a better um, like portal experience. Like, so how do you like in a remote setting, like, you know, we have individuals across the globe for this organization and we're trying to figure out how do you scale HR's ability to provide support? And it seems a very simple transactional nature, but what we hear often in these focus groups that we've had so far is, you know, they're not even, there isn't a desire necessarily for always even that human to human contact. Uh, But what they do miss is the fact that they can have a conversation, that they feel heard. And they said that could even be a chat that's really intelligent. It could be, um, there are many ways to have a conversation, but they don't feel like they're being heard. They're feeling like I'm sending it off into the ether and then I wait and it comes back and it's not what I need. And then I have to do this all over again and it's wasteful and there is that disconnect, right? So they're saying, I could have this solved in a two minute conversation, a two minute connection versus 20 emails. And so I think there's in that moment, if you think about, in general, as we think about hybrid work and just how we need to move forward culturally, we need to find ways to create those connection points regardless of where we're working and how people choose to work. And the only way we're going to understand what types of connection are desired and needed for our different parts of the workforce is to talk to them. Like we need to start actually taking that time to continuously check in because the reality is it's also going to continuously change pretty rapidly is my guess over the next couple of years, because we're not done going through this transformation yeah. So I, I don't know. I think it's just like, to your point, like we, we've just got to start talking to people. You have to just have that continuous listening and be willing to just be flexible and see how, I mean, I think, that, and that's a scary thing. I think for a lot of organizations, right? Yeah. Like how do you be flexible, but also scale and standardize. Like mm-hmm. don't go hand in hand.
0: The, you're spot on there. As we add in variables, the ability to control and manage risk compliance rules legal constraints, it becomes difficult, but because it's difficult, that should not be the reason why we don't do it. This, This stuff is hard. It's hard stuff, but you can't just opt out because when organizations opt out, employees are in a position to say, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna opt out too. It just isn't for me anymore. So companies really do have a choice. You can either spend your time and money on creating, um, I'm going to say experiences, but solutions and experiences that meet your people for the world and the constraints we live in today. Or you can spend your money on Indeed ads and posting on LinkedIn, trying to fill those spots and onboarding employees. You should actually be spending your money on onboarding employees. Call me. No, but you all get the, the, the drift here. I was trying to be... If you don't focus on your people, if you don't focus on keeping your people, you're going to be focusing on finding people.
1: And I don't think you can find them today as fast as they're going to leave. I think that's just the reality. Is it's going to be a revolving door until you find Mm -hmm. a way to invest in the people you have.
0: Yeah, yep. Is it going to affect your bottom line for sure? The biggest effect is going to be on the people that are still left. Those that remain because now that work, like we mentioned, doesn't go away. It gets put somewhere. and that So the pie is the same size. This is not a pie that everybody wants to eat. And you have less people at the table, those slices of pie get bigger. And soon enough, those people are gonna get full and push themselves back from the table. So, all right. Well, how do we end that on a positive note? Okay. I was so, gonna say
1: I appreciate that the end you have you brought it full circle to make sure we include some type of food analogy in this because we never seem to go without an episode where we don't have some type of food analogy.
0: Thank you. Yes, and to keep this positive, like it's not doom and gloom. The answer is easy. I shouldn't say that. The answer is clear, not easy, but the answer is clear. Talk to your people. Find out what they need and then as an organization, align it back to your vision. Does this meet our need? You do have to be honest. Sometimes what employees need isn't what we can provide all the time. I'm realistic. I have kids. You can't give your kids everything they want. But if you take the time to listen, you might understand the why behind what they're actually asking for. And that's what we solve for.